The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. How's it going, my friend? You doing all right? I am doing just fine. How are you, Steve? Sweet, sweet. Doing great. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Story World Podcast. This is, believe it or not, episode number nine. I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, I know. This was like a random idea we had, and here we are. Uh, I've been running out of topics. Yeah, no, no, still haven't. Actually, we're doing, so we're, we're recording two episodes tonight, and both of these are ones that were sort of from Alex's list of topics and ideas. So they're, they're, I've, I was telling him earlier, these are not topics that I would have picked, but that's why this is so great, right? It's, I think it's going to be really cool to kind of step out of my comfort zone a little bit and answer some of these questions. So I'm pumped about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is funny because the, uh, the first, I guess, eight or nine episodes that we've done have been kind of topics that you've you know, you listed first and that we decided to go with. Then I was looking down my list and just the couple that we're going to be doing next, I think should provide a really good stepping stone for conversation and maybe get into a little bit more serious topics and just kind of see where it takes us. So I'll yeah. go ahead and lead us into this uh, first one. So yeah, uh, please do. Introducing children to stories. Um, I think that, it, yeah, I'll just lead off kind of with the first thoughts that I have about it. Um, I'm kind of looking at this from a more serious angle, I suppose, mm-hmm. rather than just giving your kids, you know, fun stories and spending time with them. That's part of it. But I think that, um, well, I'll just read what I kind of have um, put. One of the things that I always hated growing up, and I'm sure I will use it on my daughter at some point, but I'm really going to try to stay away from saying it is telling your children because I said so. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a time and place for that. I haven't really gotten yeah. to the point in parenting where I've had to say that, so I could be proved wrong. But at the very least, in a legitimate circumstance, when your child is really wondering why you have said something or why something has to be this way, really? I think because I said so is probably one of the worst responses that a parent can give their kid. Um I didn't, I didn't hear it too much growing up, hardly at all, but just every once in a while I would hear it and see it in other families too. And that was, that's kind of that. Um, but saying something like that can really affect a question, I mean, affect a child from whether they ask questions in the future or challenging their thought process and just having a conversation with them. Um, I know it's not necessarily story related, but just to kind of point out how children are affected by even such a small statement like that or a small, you know, rejection like that can really have an effect on child in the long term. Uh, Another thing too, kind of on the silly side, but I think every kid has heard this growing up. I would be sitting on the floor 
I know that people who are listening, not watching video can't see me, but I have my hands pushed up against my cheek and I'm, you know, playing around in my face and just kind of sitting there being lazy. And I remember always being told, don't, don't touch your face like that. Or don't scratch up your face like that or else it'll stay that way. And I remember as a four, five, six-year-old, dang, that terrified me. So I would be by myself sometimes leaning on my hand and my cheek would be up, you know, covering my eyeball and I would be scared to death and immediately stop because I think, oh my goodness, yeah, my, I'm getting my face is going to be at that. And it would terrify me. Um, and then it probably took me longer than I probably cared to admit to realize that that was a lie, maybe until I was eight, nine years old or so. Um, but that's a silly thing. You know, it, it didn't harm me long term knowing that it's a kind of a foolish thing. But at the same time, man, kids just take in whatever you give them. And there's no telling where their thought process might go with something or how they're able to handle one thing versus another. So that's kind of where I'm viewing this topic from is that. Uh, kids just, they love to learn, they love to listen, and they take in everything you say. And so that's kind of more the serious tone that I was referring to of kind of where I want it to go. Yeah, no, I, I like that because, I mean, so I, I have four children. Um, Alex has one. And <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, am, I, am winning, I am winning that battle, that is for sure, or or Alex is. Um, and, and no, but, but it is true. Kids are super... Uh, impressionable. And I always, I always kind of joke that like a lot of times my kids like to take things super literally. And well, it's because they're kids. They're just learning how to navigate the world. They, they literally don't have the, the brain development. Like it's not to that point yet where they can make these conceptual differences. In fact, a lot of this stuff, there's plenty of evidence that shows it doesn't even come in until they're, you know, a young adult. I mean, teenagers don't have a developed enough brain to be able to make some of these distinctions and, and separate these categories out. And so you, you really do have to be careful uh, with some of the things you say. And I actually really love that, that this whole idea of, of because I said so. This is what I, I do. Actually, I struggle with. And I agree with you in everything you said. And that's, that's what my struggle is, is that I agree with you. And yet sometimes I find myself saying this. And and I, I, is, I do want to, sorry to interrupt you, I do want to put a disclaimer here. I'm very passionate about kind of the subject and focusing on just doing the best you can for your kid. But with that, I mess up all the time. I, I think you and I had a conversation where every day I just feel like I messed up yeah. as a dad again. And so I just want to put that disclaimer in there. Sorry. <laughs> totally. No, no, that's that's cool. I think I think it's it's really weird, right? I think in some sense, a lot of us are doing better than we're giving ourselves credit for um and it's just it, it's well it, it's kind of like um this is a little bit of a tangent but it is a story um there was a i want to really be careful with what i say and, and how i say it here but a few years ago at the church that we attended prior to this one there was a revival that had had broken out now if you're not from the christian like background <laughs> okay this is a southern tent meeting uh, so underneath a big tent gospel revival thing that happens and what it basically looks like is at least in this context what it looked like is it started out as a teen camp and we that there was it, it was a week of teen camp and it was it was a great time it was like at the evening services during that week 
it would be like not just for teens. It would be for anybody in the church who wanted to come along. And on the Friday night of the first week of that teen camp, it really just it just broke out. It was like it was a really powerful move of God that was happening. And the church went into it. Well, not just the church. It was actually a um, youth fellowship that was made up of our church and some surrounding churches. And, um, and, and so what happened is they decided to extend the revival out and it, it ended up going for, I think a little over a month. I want to say it was either, it was either a month or it went up to like six weeks. That sounds kind of familiar. And this was back in 2017. So it's wow. been a few years ago now. It's hard to believe. Now, yeah, this is where I, I really do want to be careful. Uh, and one, one of the issues that is is at least possible to have in a scenario like that when when there seems to be this genuine move of god something real that's happening in the lives of 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 people um it it acts kind of like drugs okay now i know that sounds weird what but but you've heard surely people talk about how the reason why drug addicts become addicted is because the first time they experience it they get this high and every time after that, it's they're trying to experience that first time feeling again, and they never, never can quite get there. Well, there's a real danger in this sort of thing happening. Um, that's a little bit of a tangent, though. So, so where I wanted to go with that is this. So inside of this um, context of the revival, there was a um, there were some people who were so sort of swept up in the in the moment that they began to question whether or not they were even saved like they they really didn't like they were they were thinking oh my gosh i'm not feeling whatever specific feeling or i'm not you know ha like i'm not having the same reaction to this as so and so is having or or whatever and so they would begin to um um question their salvation and whether or not they really even knew God, God really knew them or whatever. And, and so I remember our, our pastor um, having to have a, a specific, actually he spent a couple messages on the fact that if you are someone who is even um, thinking about and questioning this whole idea, of, and it was, it was, I'm getting to where I promise it was very, very helpful what he what he said, because all these people were doubting their salvation and everything. And what he said was that, look, if you're if you're in this place where you're concerned about honoring God, you're you're concerned that you are living a life of sin. Right. You're right. You're concerned that you're going to offend uh, God or, or whatever that you're not actually saved. He said, that's actually the best evidence that you are. Hmm. Right. And so it's because it's because you are concerned about it that you are, um, that you have assurance of it in a sense. Okay. It's like, if you weren't worried about it and you were turning and you were rejecting, you know, then, then you would have a problem. Why did I tell you that? Well, because it reminds me of exactly what we're talking about with being a good parent or a bad parent. And since we are going down a more serious pathway with this, I do think that's important to mention that like as parents, I'm telling you, I promise I mean, I can't speak for you guys. You've already made the same point, but me and my wife wake up every day and go to bed every day feeling like we've totally failed. Um, but it's 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 within our awareness of that that I take comfort in knowing that we're doing a good job. 
Um, and when we talk to other people, or there, at least that we're doing the best that we can. And when we talk to other people and describe a lot of what we're going through, a lot of times they describe those same scenarios to us, even though when you see their kids in church or, or in the restaurant or whatever, they look like they're totally well-behaved and they're totally doing what they're told and, and everything like that. Um, you know, it, it, perception is not always, well, it's not usually <laughs> the actual reality uh, of the case. And so I do think it's important that as we seek to parent our children, I, I know there's lots of contexts that you can introduce children to stories, but I think as parents, that's definitely going to be one of the biggest ones that, that we'll discuss. Um, it's important to realize that, that, you know, you're probably doing the best you can and you should probably give yourself, you know, some, some grace. So I, do I tell my kids, you should do this because I said so. Heck yes. I, I tell them that from time to time. I say, I'm your dad and I said, do this. <laughs> and and I always feel in those moments like I have done them a disservice. At the same time, a legitimate question that I would have is like, well, what? Well, two things. Number one, is there a philosophical point to be made of, I don't have to explain myself to you. I'm an authority. You should learn that. Like, so that's a question I would have. Like, like where does that come in? And then the second piece of that would be like, just genuinely, how do you, like some things you just can't explain to a five-year-old. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm saying I can definitely see scenarios where either one, the child is too young to understand the concept or you don't want to have the discussion yet. So I definitely, um, yeah. definitely see that. And even though this is a podcast about stories, it's also so that we can discover how stories relate to our lives and that we That's can, right. and that we can make good decisions and just learn from all these discussions. So, kind of echoing what you said, um, and I know that Steve and I, you and hang out, you and I hang out quite often. Our wives hang out quite often. We see each other's families a lot. Where we visit each other quite often, um, and so we get to see the mess that are in, that's in both of our lives. But there are some parents out there that might not have that support group or see other parents parenting and might actually legitimately feel that. Um, they go to bed at night really thinking that they are a bad parent. And that might not necessarily be the case. You know, like what you said, a good indication that you're a good parent is probably when you feel like there's a lot more that you could be doing to help your child. So just to kind of provide some encouragement out there to anyone who may be listening who sometimes feels that way. Um, it's funny that I, I'm looking through your notes here. And uh, what Steve and I do is we kind of put down our notes in different ways and we don't really talk about what we're going to do beforehand but looking at steve's notes uh are kind of what we wanted to talk about line up together so i'm just going to go ahead through my points and i think you'll probably just be able to jump in with whatever your thoughts are i think that's great man yeah let's do it so oh well this isn't a christian podcast steve and i obviously are christians and so that topic will come up from time to time and this is one of the first points that i have so uh feel free to listen um it might still be applicable to you or skip ahead if you want. There's going to be other stuff for you, I'm sure. But one of the things that I want to talk about first is teaching, telling stories from the Bible to your children or just teaching them about the Bible and just, you know, Christianity and what Jesus taught and who Jesus is and salvation. <clears throat> I think that... <laughs> so one of the things that I remember as a kid... Is singing the song Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Did you ever see? A wee little man was he. A wee little man was he. That's right. He climbed and up in a sycamore tree. Climbed up Lord. in a sycamore tree. And 
and me saying this, I am not saying that singing those songs is wrong or that it's not good for kids. Obviously, like I had fun singing it and I'm laughing about it now. And it's obviously brought me some sort of memories. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like sometimes teaching kids, um, it, whether it's in Sunday school or in the home, we can very much make it seem like the stories in the Bible are are silly or right. that they're like the cartoons that they watch on TV. Um, yeah. and, and so again, obviously, you know, have a coloring book with Bible stories in it, you know, sing those funny songs, but yeah. at the same time, uh, yeah, obviously as a Christian, you want to teach your children that these are real stories that happen and really communicate with them. Obviously there's certain ages that, you know, kids for understanding and each kid will be different, but I kind of have here, um, just as a suggestion you can kind of add on to this and probably have your own thoughts. But I, I think, especially when your kid gets to a certain point, kids understand stuff at such a young age, whether it's five, six, seven, eight years old, just sit down and read a story from the Bible with them or, yeah. or tell them to them. You know, you don't have to necessarily go verse by verse. If you know a story in the Bible, whether it's about uh, Jesus healing a leper or, um, or any of the miracles that he performed or teaching about love or, Whatever story you want, just sit down and tell your kids about it, whether it's at dinner time and say, hey, I got a story from you. Um, I'm sure at this point, they'll probably, you know, have been to church, know who Jesus is and just tell them and ask them what they think about the story. Make it a real thing, not just something they sing about in church on Sundays. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point on multiple counts. So two things like we see this a lot. So one of the one of my alter ego um <laughs> well, not not alter ego, but but I I am affectionately referred to as the Bible nerd pretty much wherever I go, and um I shameless plug for the Bible nerd podcast um and uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is like creation because that's where a lot of times school like if a kid is going to start um doubting the Bible uh in school a lot of times it's going to be in science class um. But just because, you know, not not to get too deep down this rabbit hole, but but just because there are some real differences between what a face value reading of the scriptures seems to say about Earth and and, and mm -hmm. the history of life, versus what what you would learn in a typical mainstream science textbook or class or or whatever. And so, um, I'm really fascinated in in the science of that. So so there's actually people who are, you know, conservative evangelical Christians who hold to a historical grammatical hermeneutic of the Bible who actually are, you know, credentialed scientists as well. And, um, and so hold, hold, you know, that what they try to do is understand the world from within a biblical framework and, and not within a conventional, uh, framework. And these people are, again, they're just as qualified and credentialed as anybody else to be studying in their fields and to have these opinions. And one of the fascinating things when you do creation work, when you do research in that area, um, is you have to pay attention to the flood. And um, the reason is because the if the biblical flood happened, which there's a whole probably episode that we could we could have, which would actually be kind of fun, I think, on flood legend because it's it's actually that, that would be fun. That I would be so, great. Very story. Like you'd be surprised. Like I mean, again, for the for the non Christian listener, like it, it would probably feel like a like an episode of Joe Rogan or something talking about <laughs> yes, just wild, but. To, to really distill that down like into one sentence is I believe that the biblical 
account is the true account of the flood and that all these others are are basically mythical retellings. And I have evidence for that. I, I'm not just asserting that, right? And so what's interesting, though, is that if you look at like one of the most common and popular uh, depictions of a biblical story for children is the ark. That sort that of is. This tiny little scrunched up like Volkswagen almost with these oversized <laughs> sticking out the giraffe's like, smile. Yeah, the giraffes <laughs> and the elephants yes. sticking out of it. And and there's a they're they're having a good old time, Steve. I'm telling you, it's a real it's an actual problem. And people yeah. are like, Oh, come on, Steve. No, like like it's an actual problem because it it gives credence to what I think is is a lie. That this story is make believe that this is not true. That this is just some story. Now I know we're just trying to make it look good, like look, look like something compelling to kids. Okay, fine, but like not at the expense of their believing its truth value one day, right? And so, like, so like if you do, if you if you look at like even studies have been done to show that the biblical description of an ark is of the ark of, of Noah is was actually possible. And 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 actually very plausible that it could actually flow and be all these things. So again, without getting too far down into that, like there's a real, there's a helpful way, even if it doesn't look exactly like what the real thing did look like. You know, we weren't there, so we don't know. But there's a helpful way and an unhelpful way to depict those kind of things. Going along with that, one of my favorite authors who we're going to talk about in our next episode, where we talk about some of our favorite storytellers. Um, his name is Greg Kokel and he's a great writer. And he, he makes the case that, um, that when we talk about Bible stories, ironically, he thinks that we might should even ditch the word stories when referring to them that way, because the word can be compromised to talking about mostly fiction. So it's almost like when you hear the word story, like a lot of people tend to think towards fiction. And that's at least how a lot of like professional, like atheists and skeptics and really vocal people will talk about the Bible. Oh, it's just a collection of silly children's stories. And so for that reason, he actually likes to refer to the to biblical stories as accounts. So accounts of history. So there there are stories, for example, Jesus telling a parable these parables are pretty much fictional stories. So like used in a sentence, you could tell someone about the account of Jesus telling the story or the parable of the sower. Right? I've, never, uh, I've never really thought about that before, but that's a very, honestly, just even aside from the connotations of what it can mean, but that's just a very simplistic way of separating, you know, and categorizing things in the Bible, whether a parable is obviously a story. But Jesus doing this as an account of his life. So that's actually very helpful. Yeah, I think I think so too. And I I don't this is actually one of my questions that I have in my in my list. Well, not really what I, my 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 list of things to talk about for the show are a mix right of really of questions and yeah. and thoughts. But absolutely but it's like, how do we communicate that difference? And again, this is not just about I mean, let's take Christianity out of the picture for a minute for the sake of for the sake of argument. I mean, it's like when you talk about your family history or you talk about something that that happened, like like how do you make that distinction, right? Between because a lot of times as parents, you know, we can go to the obvious one, you know, S-A-N-T-A. Um, but <laughs> like like a lot of times we do treat fictional things as as real with our kids for a certain period of time. Um, and so it's really 
important that we learn how to make that distinction. And I'm not going to pretend like I have that all figured out, but it is something that is worth discussing. So, yeah, no, I think those are excellent points. Um, it's uh, it's funny that you brought up Santa because that is definitely one of my talking points that uh, we will cool we will dig into. And I feel like that there's uh, going to be an uproar on both sides of this. Probably. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's um, and again, obviously, there's a difference between my daughter's three and your oldest, not almost three, and your oldest son is six, right? He's six now, so that's right. Yeah, obviously, a difference between how to tell a story or an account from the Bible, depending on the age of your kid, you know, of hundred percent. but, um, kids, man, I remember nine years old, knowing so much stuff from the Silmarillion and being able to understand a lot of the history of middle earth. I, you don't, your kid, your child does not have to be very old to understand yeah. a lot of things. Um, just something to think about. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, and I always, right, it's difficult for me to know. Like, sometimes she surprised, like, like, talking about Riker, my, my six-year-old, like, sometimes she surprises me with how much he knows. And, like, his memory is so good that like he can remember things that even I can't remember. I mean, he's a really good learner. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to find that line between, like, well, when do you go ahead and dive in and try to give? Like, I, I remember, like, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but these it's just bringing things to mind of, like, I remember when I was a new parent, I was reading a lot of parenting books and I was looking for all the advice I could. And the irony is like, I remember when my, when, when, when Riker was like two, like trying to be really intentional about giving explanations for things. Cause I didn't, I didn't just want to be the, Hey, do this parent. I wanted to be the why parent. And I think like, I don't know, almost, it's almost like maybe we're having an intervention here. I almost <laughs> burned, burned myself out on doing that because he didn't understand. Whereas like now I probably need to return to that because they <laughs> would understand. But now it's almost like I've lost my patience. I've got, you know, I'm trying to explain to one while three others are yelling, you know, screaming, literally screaming things in my ear. Right. And so, so yeah, trying just to find that, find that balance and figure out how to, how to, you know, give, give each kid their, the attention they need and, and tell them stories differently and interact with them differently. I mean, this is yeah a lot about parenting here that we're talking about, but these it, are all really important things that I think about every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And again, because this, uh, you know, Steve and I goal in this podcast isn't just to tell interesting stories or tell stories that we like. It's about asking these questions of uh, whether, again, not even whether you are Christian or not, um, when do you introduce your kid to different levels of storytelling and what it, stories do you tell them at what maturity level? Um, and so it, it really, Steve and I obviously don't have half the answers. You know, this is more of a thought process of thinking through it and just trying to kind of see what maybe best to handle situations with your child in these in these ways. So a lot of yeah. good thoughts there. Um, do you want to, um, th the rest of my discussion, I believe, is kind of more geared towards fictional side of things. Do you, do you have any more thoughts on the... Uh, um, Christian side of um, teaching your kids about the Bible and or real. Um, that's a well. I guess I have a couple other thoughts that we can throw in if we're gonna yeah, if we're gonna just hang out on that for just yeah. A let's do it. We're right here. No, then we can then we can move over to fiction. So, um, again, I don't know really the best way to go through these. So, so one of the things I think is interesting is 
research actually shows that this that story of God, the story of God, um, makes sense to children even from from birth. Um, meaning that you there there seems to be like when you when you get non big into into what's called Christian apologetics, and so uh, for the uninitiated, what this means is basically giving a defense, a rational defense. <clears throat> you know, for the Christian faith. And and so, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, anyway, that's the point, right? Is, is, yeah, these are not just stories. We think they're true. And if they are true, there's going to be actual evidence for them. Um, and so, and when you're dealing with a lot of like atheists and skeptics and, and uh, a lot of deconverts, actually, people who, um, who used to be Christians or at least used to claim uh, Christianity and then now they no longer do, um, a lot of times you get this this funny uh um almost default mode of thinking that 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 children should be atheists by default. Right. So you get people saying stuff like, Oh, you shouldn't teach your kids what to believe. You shouldn't force your Christianity on them. Or some of the, the diehards will even be like, Oh, you shouldn't even you shouldn't necessarily force your your atheism on them, or you shouldn't force any religion religion on them. And 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 it's almost like this. There's this assumption of a default skepticism that children grow up with. So they're atheists by default, Christian or 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 God believing, forgetting about even Christianity, like like theistic, like God believing, um, um, by training or by upbringing. But they're atheists by default. That's actually not true. It's actually like the furthest thing from truth that there is. Like there have been plenty of documented studies showing that. The kids are like the the language they use is literally wired to believe in God, like wired to believe in the supernatural, wired to believe in the spiritual. It, it's only as they become like westernized, scientific, you know, uh, Americans and Europeans that they start to go into this atheistic, you know, skepticism mode. Like in the East, the question is not, is there a God? Nobody asks that question. The question in the East is, what is the nature of God? Who is God? What is God like? It's a default assumption of theism. And we all migrated here. Like we all come from the East, <laughs> right? And, and so like we, 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 we think that in some sense we've moved beyond this, but we really haven't. And, and so um, I think sometimes we are influenced in our culture that we shouldn't be telling our kids about God or like that, that like our like that it's wrong. And I've, I'll admit I've even fallen, even though I'm so far and deep into this, I've, I've fallen into that trap before. Like, Oh, am I just like forcing my religion on my kids or whatever? And the reality is that that's just not true. Um, your kids are wired to believe in God. You're, you're actually, you're taking something away from them. If you are trying to make them become default skeptics, because that's just not actually how the world works. Um, at least that's not what the best science we have, uh, seems to say. Um, and then, as, as, yeah, as far, as far as the, uh, the wonder part of it and how kids are wired towards that, uh -huh. uh, an argument could be made that, um, tell a kid any story and they'll imagine it and they'll leave it and they'll play pretend with it and everything. But mm -hmm. the difference, and of course, this is such a simple saying, and we're not, um, you and I could go on for hours and hours for on apologetic side of arguments and things, but just from a, a simple statement that I heard that. It is very interesting is adults don't children don't stop believing in Santa. And then when they get older, 
go back to believing in Santa. They don't go up, grow up don't right. I, thinking that Lord of the Rings is true and then not, and then coming back to it and realizing, oh, the Lord of the Rings is a true location. But by the millions, people still believe, it, again, even taking Christianity, you know, just theistically, it, they come, they either continue to believe in God or a God, or they come back to it. Um, it's something that is, that is yeah. in us. Um, anyway. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's really good. So I, I think uh, that, that, that sort of buttons that up. Uh, there is one more thing I want to mention, and this, this maybe just dives into a little bit of the fun real quick, and then yeah. we'll get ser- serious again, and then, and then back to fiction. Um, but the, uh, the Mandela effect, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's like one of the most comp- – so, so uh, should we explain that? Let's, let's explain that. So yeah. the Mandela effect – you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay, yeah. So, so – the Mandela effect is, and you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but but it it started with this idea that uh, so Nelson Mandela is this what like this African leader guy, and I think the I think the whole like he was part of the whole apartheid thing. I'm not going to pretend to know my history well, <laughs> um, but but I think I think right the whole isn't the whole the whole thing like originated from this widespread belief that he died in prison or something yeah. like that. But yes, then in the 90s, in the 90s, right? Like he died in prison in the yes. 90s. Like everybody thought that you but, ask people what happened to Nelson Mandela. Oh, he died. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's like this widespread cultural phenomenon belief that just isn't true. It just isn't true. Um, if he's, I mean, I think he's still alive today, isn't he? Is he still alive today? Think- or is he? I is think he he is. If he's passed away, you go ahead and keep talking. I'm gonna look at that. Maybe he passed away recently. Oh, he did. He actually okay. He did. He passed away in 2013. Uh, so he did. So he did. Pa- yeah, he did pass away in um, in 2013. Uh, but yeah, like the whole the whole thing is that uh, people thought he died in prison, like in the 90s. And it's just that it's just, just like, it it's an untruth. It's just something that is just not right. And, Exactly. The, thing, the reason why I say it's an untruth is because I know this isn't about telling kids story, but Steve and I got here. And so this is where we're at. It's yeah. The reason why I say it's an untruth is because I, I don't think it's even a lie. I don't think someone spread a lie. It's just something that people think happened. Yeah, exactly right. No, you're, you're exactly right. And but what's interesting is the reason I brought this up is because it actually applies both to the Bible and to children in the sense that um, there are things that are not in the Bible that people think are in the Bible. Now there's, there's, this can be a little bit more abstract or a little bit more, um, I guess, practical. So like one of the more abstract things is, and this, this, I'm going to tell on my wife just a little bit. Uh, uh, and, and she's a, she's a preacher's kid. So she should know better, but like, so, um, so just the other day, she, we were talking about how, um, you ever heard the phrase, God helps those who helps themselves. Yeah. Right. And like, so she, she was, we were talking about something and she, and, and it was like, like, yeah, that's in the Bible somewhere. Like, I forget exactly where it's, <laughs> but it's not like, like that's not like what now, what is, what is in the Bible is something I'm paraphrasing epically here, but if you don't work, you don't eat that, that is yeah. right. That comes from the Bible, but there are a, this is, and this one, that, that one that I mentioned is just one of like five or six probably that we can name off. That probably like right that. next to the verse that uh, girls have to wear culottes below their knees. It's <laughs> yeah. <that one. laughs> 
And, ah, yes, yes, it's right next to the Queen Lotsworth, hundred percent. First reservation, eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, no, for sure, right? So, so that's so that's one. Another really common one is let me. And, and it, I'm, maybe I'll trip you up. Okay, this. Oh, no. Yeah, this no. is a do this is your question. Are you ready for this? I, the, I'm not, but get okay. to me, Bible okay. scholar. In the end times, in the book of Isaiah, okay. the the blank will lie down with the lamb. What is it? Well, I, I'm going to say lion. <laughs> exactly. And you're going to be wrong. That's yeah. not what the Bible says. The Bible the, says it's the wolf that will lie down with the lamb. And just not, the, not the lion, right? And so, wow. so right, right, exactly. And there's that, other things. That one has blown me more than mm-hmm. any other of the Mandela tests that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And if you, I mean, you could probably just Google, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's whole huge... No, Huge things about this uh, with the with the Mandela effect and the and the Bible. Uh, there's another one. Oh, here's a couple. I'm just going to name off a few real quick. Yeah. Eve gave Adam an apple. That's not in the Bible. It was a, it was a fruit, right? Not an apple, right? Necessarily, right? Three wise men visited Jesus at the stable. That's in all of your Christmas songs, but it didn't happen. They visited Jesus when he was like two. Um, um, the angels sing and play uh, harps, etc. So like there, so. There's a lot of these these things that people, yeah, there's one, there it is. God helps those who helps themselves. Um, um, yeah, so spare the rod, spoil the child, right? <laughs> you know what? I think that's it. No, I think that's the one we were talking about the other night. Um, anyway, regardless, right? So spare the rod, spoil. So the point is, and I, it's not any kind of indictment against her because this, it's just the fact that like a lot of people think this. And yeah. so like, you know, I don't know necessarily what we're going to get in terms of teaching value out of this. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying that, like, it's really interesting that you can grow up and you're, you're, you can have this book of, tr- of, of true things and just your cultural context, the way you grow up, the people that you grow up around can actually like change your experience and your perception of what the real thing actually is and so i guess i don't know i mean maybe what i don't know what the lesson here is maybe that underscores just the importance of of making sure that you're that you're regularly in the word so you know what it does and does not say and then you're regularly communicating the truth value of these stories to to your children and doing it accurately so it's just something really interesting i think well that's interesting one because it ties into my story of the week (laughs) or my item of the week and then and then two um yeah i think I think probably to wrap this um, section up, you guys have heard uh, Steve and I talk about preaching to your kids enough tonight. <laughs> um, that uh, yeah, when you when you tell your kids um, things, really, I mean, tell them what's true and what's not true, and, and don't just assume it's true. Um, find out, do do your research. You know, when you're when you're, we shouldn't be blindly telling our children something that we think is true because it's something we always heard. Whether it's related to the Bible, so true. it could be that's a fantastic. Um, it's a great point. Again, ch- children, you don't know at such a young age. I mean, yeah, children have personality; they're themselves at the age, but you don't know how something, how a child might take something the wrong way, and it really affect them. So, that's I right. know all of us are guilty probably every day of just saying stuff off the cuff to our kids and just realizing, oh, I shouldn't have said that or not even realizing even that aspect of it, but just be really purposeful um, dealing with um, telling your children things that are factual or that you really want to instill in them. I think that's a 
good place to end that. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to talking about some fiction stuff like you have here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm giddy about. So so we've already kind of covered that children are just full of wonder and excitement. And I mean, they're just, I agree that they're happy, cranky a lot too, but they're just excited that even when you're a teenager, even adults, but even your teenager all the way up through, you just, what do you want to do? You just want to laugh. You want your dad to make you laugh. You want to watch a funny show. You want to explore. You want to use your imagination. You just want to have fun. That's what it comes down to. Um, I thought it was only girls that wanted to have fun. uh, (laughs) My mistake. My mistake. Uh, (laughs) So maybe start singing, Steve. Must be be thinking about a different podcast. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, so kind of going back to my experience when I was nine years old and, uh, I did listen to the Hobbit tapes beforehand, but watching Lord of the Rings for the first time in the theaters, um, now granted, obviously if you stick a nine-year-old kid in the theaters to watch Lord of the Rings, not everyone's going to be drawn to fantasy or fiction. I understand that, but with my, with just a kid's imagination, man, I remember sitting there and finishing that movie in just, uh, just totally uh, being enthralled with the story that was presented for me in the characters. And of course I wasn't thinking in terms of that as a kid, I was just thinking, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. um, I really think obvious, I, I think no matter what, I probably still would have gone into fiction and reading and everything, but that really just created a, a, a real passion in me for, um, not just Lord of the Rings, but just thinking about fantastic things, making stuff up in my own ra- mind. I remember when I was nine years old writing fantasy stories that were awful, of course. I mean, they were right. Awful. And thank goodness that when I showed it to my dad, he praised me because that's what kept me going. Yeah. He, he told me a couple of years ago, he said, man, some of the stories you gave me, he said, we're just awful. <laughs> but uh, he gave me encouragement to stick with it. Um, like I said, um, Obviously, not every child is going to be into that. You might have a kid who's very rigid and is going to be a mechanical engineer and likes to yeah. watch uh, documentaries on how engines work, you know, every night. But, <clears throat> I mean, you still have to use your imagination in that area too. But um, fiction stories, obviously, I, I think we can all agree it's good and right to teach your kids about good principles in life. And if you're a Christian mm-hmm. and still thinks about Christian principles and but what tangible or specific values does fiction have in mm-hmm. in our lives? Taking away this, the symbolism and um, token writing and having religious themes in his work, taking that out of it, just the um, the fantasy story of Lord of the Rings. Obviously, especially as a Christian, the Bible obviously has much greater worth than that. But why? Why invest or should we invest so much time um, developing our kids into those fantasy worlds or the fiction settings and make believe? Um, I have some of my thoughts. Um, I don't know if you kind of want to take it from there or if you're kind of thinking still. No, um, yeah, let's let you dive in. The, the thought that I had, I'm writing it down to maybe return to you later is Mr. Rogers. And that might actually. Okay. Uh, have a have a nice little um, tie in for all these things, but yeah, why don't you okay. why don't you keep going? We'll so, at sea. I think um, I'm going to actually 
just thinking about this and I was just looking up stuff about um, children and in fantasy and looking up uh, authors that wrote to children. And I found a really good Dr. Seuss quote. And he said, children want the same things we want to laugh, to be challenged, to be entertained and delighted. And you know what? Kids are so different than us, but at the same time, uh, we all want the same thing. What we, we want to laugh. We want to have fun. We do want a challenge in our life. We want to talk to people. We love telling stories of people, whether they be true or not. And kids are just many adults. You know, they're going to be an adult. They're not going to be children forever. And so I, I think a, a real tangible example, um, for instance, Evie, if she doesn't like doing this, then, then I won't do it with her. We'll find something else to do. But something that I really am excited to at least try to do with her is they have uh, children's Dungeons and Dragons kits that you can buy and they go through mm-hmm. like a, an easier story with easier rules for them. And I just think that that provides an opportunity on so many levels. One, to have a, just to have fun, the sheer fun of it, like what Dr. Sue says, uh, you know, the kid wondering what action or adventure that I'll, I'll set up next for them or what goblin or orc they might fight or whatever comes up. And yeah. then also the challenges that present itself. Uh, I remember hearing, I forget who said this and how long ago it was and in what context, but man, getting your kids to think, asking them questions um, when they're young to say, why do you think we do that? Or how do you think this problem should be solved? And really Mm -hmm. getting their gears turning. And so I think about Dungeons and Dragons, man, just setting up a a secret dungeon and there's only, you know, maybe a secret way to get out and setting up a snare where your kids have to figure out and how to work through it and, and overcome it or Maybe they're low, I don't know how familiar you are with Dungeons and Dragons, but they're low on health and they don't may not want to take a chance with something. So they're thinking about what spell to use to get out of this scenario. So you have the yeah. fun aspect, you have the challenging aspect in using your mind. And then honestly, I, I I'm talking more about this uh next week, so I won't go into it too much. But man, the bonding. Um obviously mm-hmm. you can bond over non-fictional stories too, but I just, the amount of hours that I've spent talking to my dad about some of the books that we've read together. <clears throat> and then my stepfather, how often we would talk about Lord of the Rings and uh, just so many moments that I, I wouldn't trade for anything that really shaped not just my way of thinking, but um, my relationship with them um, just really founded on that. And so that's kind of where I stand for that. Um, it, I, and I don't think anyone is going to say, no, you should never get your kids into fiction. Although there might be some, some people that might do that, but as a whole, people mm-hmm. will say, well, yeah, that's good. Get your kids imaginative. It's fun. You know, what could it hurt? But I, not just that, but I actually really see a lot of strong benefit in participating with your kid and even if it's not Lord of the Rings or directly on the fantasy side, but imagination, yeah. you know, building a castle, exploring a magical forest or whatever. Um, I just think that is a real expression of our human nature too, of, um, you know, the world that we live in. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my thoughts. On yeah. That. Yeah. I, I, gosh, you know, it's, it's so hard. Um, it, it's almost like, at least me, I, I, I still have to like, 
fight myself not to go down the road of Christianity because that's I know, yeah. the context I have. Um, um, not that, you know, we should, we should fight away from that, but, but, but it's, it's, well, it just goes back to what we talked about in like the second episode of this podcast, uh, which was just the general point that like, if, if like, like the value, the true value at the end of the day, that's in all these stories, like it makes a lot of sense if something like the Christian worldview is, is true. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm a business guy, right? So I'm a, I'm a, I like invention and wonder and thought and like, like building a magical world. Like what, what's, what's really cool is that fiction, it, it it's not fiction is a, this is going to get really like bonkers for a second here, but, but fiction is a part of the real world, right? Like, mm, like, absolutely. right. It, it's like it's a manifestation of what people can create that fully represents how real yeah, a exactly. wealth can represent exactly. civilization is how humans interact, human nature. Yeah. 100%. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a point. Um, it, it's almost like um, there's a bias and that again, I'm going to get a little nerdy here. I'm so sorry. That's um, one of the, so Alvin Plantinga is a very well-known um, philosopher, probably one of the most well-respected philosophers of the 20th century, uh, 21st century as well. I mean, he's, he's kind of going downhill health-wise now, but uh, in his what prime, his uh, Alvin Plantinga. All right. Keep and a uh, very um, well-respected guy on on epistemology and knowledge and how we know, et cetera. And uh, he has one of these arguments uh, that he's formulated, which I mean, there's some disagreement with, but, but he's formulated it and it's called the evolutionary argument against naturalism. And I'm not going to go all into what the argument is, but the point is, is that, in the argument, rather than, even though everybody knows that ultimately what he's talking about is the development of human life, in the argument, it's actually a a, a step of the argument is that he he says, imagine uh, basically an essentially an alien race of beings on another world, and then describes their situation. And, and the reason why he's doing that is because it's so difficult for for us to we're, we're so biased oftentimes in the way we think about things that like we almost have to detach in order to see the reality of the situation. Right. And so it's like, what's a, what's, what's a super basic story? Maybe something like the tortoise and the hare. Okay. It's, it's, it's easy enough to say to a, to a kid, well, if you just <clears throat> slow down, take your time, you'll make fewer mistakes. You'll end up winning in the long run. But that's conceptually too difficult for most children to like, like they, they, they can barely picture beyond the mac and cheese they're going to eat for dinner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so, but the, but, but the tortoise and the hare gives a, a concrete sort of manifestation of this principle that is other than themselves, that they can, they can look out into the world and see something, even though it's a fictional story, it says something very true about the world. So whatever religion, non, you know, notwithstanding, Fiction is very valuable in my mind because it really does. It always teaches you something about the way the world uh, really is because it's part of the real world. We're, we're still all human here, whether we're talking about orcs and Klingons or 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 whatever. I mean, you know, you, you can you can you you can learn something about yourself and about the real world from works of fiction, and and I think. I just think it's so interesting how 
how universal many of the lessons and stories and things that, that you learn in, in fiction <clears throat> are. And, and I, again, that's that where I would drive that ultimate point back to is because I think the world really is structured in a, in a certain way. And so it's no surprise that, that we create stories and we create worlds that, that sort of evince those same, um, kind of realities. Uh, I mentioned Mr. Rogers and I think, I think that's an interesting because right. Part of the difficulty here that we're talking about is this tension between, um, helping kids see the difference between the real world and the not, you know, and the fiction and, and different fiction worlds. Um, but Mr. Rogers, so like I actually went to mrrogers.org. And so I just want to read this little, this little excerpt here. It says, uh, he's talking about the neighborhood of make-believe, of course. And it says this make-believe neighborhood is a place that's clearly and intentionally separate from Mr. Rogers real neighborhood. That separation serves two purposes. On the one hand, that was Fred Rogers' way of helping young children who are typically just beginning to understand what's real and what's just make-believe. So, of course, certain things would happen in the make-believe world that that wouldn't really happen the same kind of way in the real world. So there are those obvious differences. And then, uh, so uh, that was, I was breaking away for a minute. Back to the quote here. On the other hand, he wanted to show children that it could help uh, to use their imagination to play and pretend about situations and feelings in their own lives. And that's the end of that quote. Um, the, the, the new age, uh, Mr. Rogers is of course, Daniel Tiger and Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. And, um, right. The same kind of thing happens there, even though the whole scenario in this case is, is fiction. You, you still sort of have the, the two worlds that the real world <clears throat> right. and the make-believe world for, for Daniel. And you see Daniel, move between these two worlds and 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 he learns lessons in the make-believe world that are interchangeably appropriate in the in the real world and then he'll make up these little songs like so one of the ones again it's just easy to remember you know if you're feeling mad and you want to roar just take a deep breath count <laughs> to four right and, and so it's like he learned that you know, I don't, I don't remember the specific context, right? But this lesson was learned in the context of this fictional environment because that's the MO, right, of the show. But yep. then he takes that lesson into the real world and actually applies it. And then as parents, we can literally apply it too. And we did, when they, especially when they were a little younger, um, my oldest two, and they were really into Daniel Tiger. It was really easy to be like, okay, they're mad. And we would legit do that. If you're feeling mad, you want to mm -hmm. more, take a deep breath, count to four. And then we'd count to four. And it, it legit, I mean, it, it really did help. And so, um, yeah, yeah, no, we absolutely should not take fiction away from children. That most certainly not. Fiction is a huge part of a children of a child's world. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily have a three-step tactical plan for how to show <laughs> right. a kid the difference between the fictional world and the and 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 the real world. But I think something like what we said early on, the difference in in, in an account versus story. So maybe just some of the language patterns that we use. Um, and I. Again, I know I've been talking a lot, but let me just underscore one point, and then I'll have you come back in here. Um, we, I mean, I, I, have you ever heard, Alex, of uh, deep fake technology? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so for pretty, for our cool stuff, it's pretty freaky. Uh, so, for our listeners, if you're not familiar with what that is, to right, just very easily explain it is it, basically you could watch a YouTube video of I don't know, I'm just making it up, George Clooney giving an acceptance speech for a reward or for an, an award that he earned. The problem is, is that the award isn't real. <clears throat> the George Clooney that you're watching 
isn't real, no matter how much it looks like him or sounds like him or or whatever. And it, it's actually called deep fake technology. Yeah. And it's a real thing. It's a real problem. I mean, you think about it, if this kind of thing gets into the wrong hands. You could literally have a, a presidential address broadcasted. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that was not from the president of the United and, States. You know, and with technology, it's got it's going to be available easier and easier to more and more people. And whew, man, yeah, yeah. Um, think about and, and Meta, like the Facebook announcement recently. That I don't know if you saw, but 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 again, being in, in the technology world, you know, I'm surrounded by this stuff, and so it's like you know, Facebook is trying to to basically their parent company is now rebranded into Meta. And what they're trying to do is is create what's called basically Web 3.0. Right now we're in Web 2.0, which is the social web. Yeah. Web 3.0 aims to take that even further. And of course, everybody's heard of virtual reality, but now it's even more real th than ever. And so, so here's my point. The problem is, is that now we live in a world <clears throat> where it's going to be harder than ever before to tell the difference between what's real and what isn't. And I think some people, just don't even see that as a problem. And I mean, if you look at, like I always say, Star Trek is prophecy. I mean, look at Star Trek, the the idea of the of, of the holodeck, right? So they can go to this, there's a deck on the ship that they can go to and they can basically turn it into whatever world and environment they want to. And they're like in some of the more recent Star Treks, this is used for some fairly explicit and nefarious sorts of encounters. Uh, and some of the Next Generation episodes back in the early 90s, it was Picard, you know, entering into Sherlock Holmes and some of his favorite actual fictional stories as that character. And that's just a foreshadowing in the early 90s of, of the kind of things that, that people are talking about now. And so it's more important than ever to be able to teach our kids the difference between what is real and what is not. And to be able to realize for ourselves what is real and what is not. And I know I'm raising more questions than answers, but this is a, what this is, is we're talking about a problem that is now a skill that needs to be developed. And I don't know how to develop it. I don't know what the skill looks like. I don't know what step one, two, three is, but it's important. We need to figure it out. Absolutely. And I think a combination of the fun and it mixed with the critical thinking, you know, asking your kids about the stories and how something makes sense and how it doesn't. Um, just for the example, you continue on with the deep with the deep fake technology. Now, if I put on Lord of the Rings on my TV screen and Evie's ten years old and she's watching it, she's gonna know that's not real. Um, mm. unless I really feel her raising her up in a really weird way. She's gonna know that's not real. But like what Steve was saying, if for some reason they're showing, you know, we found this video ten years ago of President Obama saying this, you know, never before seen, and it's really not him, but it looks and for all intents and purposes, it's his voice and it's his face and it's in the White House or wherever it is. And so I definitely think I don't know where it's going to go, but in the future, we will definitely see some things with deep fake and the advance with that technology. And I don't obviously there'll probably be some fun stuff they do with it, some cool stuff. But in the end, it, I think it'll probably be do more harm than good. Not to be a doomsayer or anything, but it's just what Steve is going back to Steve is, um, yeah, you know, have fun with your kids, teach them those fictional stories and be invested in it. You know, my dad and I would talk all the time, man, don't you wish that was real and talk about exploring it? But in the end of the day, we knew that it wasn't. And so grounding your kids in reality, but also encourage them to explore those areas and just really have fun with them. I, this kind of naturally leads... I. I guess it's a silly topic. I don't, I honestly don't think 
there is a wrong or right way here. Maybe there is, but I don't think so. I think it's a matter of preference, but I still think it's worth talking about is where we have that line or yeah, where, where we make the line is from trying to make fiction real for our children as a matter of entertainment. It's specifically talking about uh, just the best example out there, Santa Claus. Now, and, and Billy, I grew up with Santa. I actually think Santa is, is a fun thing. I love Christmas time. I like seeing Santa, like Santa's in the malls going, you know, ho, ho, ho. I, I, I love the spirit. I love the season. I love it all. So I'm not someone who thinks that Santa is of the devil or that he's evil or I, I, none of that. Um, sure. But it definitely is worth raising up, though, as far as to what to what point should you invest your child in in that story um for instance there's obviously a, a big difference between your uh your child sitting down and watching a christmas story and seeing an interaction with santa claus at the mall versus telling your child um you know every christmas hey you know, um santa's gonna come around out these cookies and making your kid think that santa claus does exist now the one thing i will say before getting to it is i think that Something that is wrong. Um, I mean, well, let me think before I say that. <laughs> I, would, I would say I just want to make sure if I'm saying something is right and something is wrong, I want to make sure I'm right. I I think I'm fairly confident saying that it is wrong to tell your kids, "Hey, you better be good because Santa's watching." I think that's a very a very effective mm. thing, and I know that sometimes yeah. it can be done. You know. Uh, oh, you know, be good. The Santa season's coming up, but I also know that uh, it's an easy cop out. Yeah. Say, hey, Santa's coming. Do you want your presents? I, I think that, and I think most people would agree that's probably a wrong use of it. So, sure. That out of the equation, just looking at the pure, innocent, and fun fact of, you know, parents, you know, letting their kids believe in Santa until they either discover it on themselves or they tell them. Um, I honestly, this is because Evie's two and a half she doesn't know santa yet i haven't really come to that but probably this coming christmas time will be she'll be three and a half and that will be yeah she can definitely understand and so i i'm still i'm still on the fence about it um just the thought process that i go through is you know what i grew up um believing in santa and then i found out santa wasn't real when i think i was nine or ten years old i saw on the toy it said made in China. <laughs> I asked my dad, right, why, uh, why does it say made in China? And he said, well, Santa needs elves to help him out. And then something just clicked. And I just kind of, I just kind of knew then that uh, Santa wasn't real and it didn't hurt right. me at all. Uh, you know, looking at it from a Christian perspective, didn't hurt my faith or anything like that. It was nothing like that, but sure. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it. On one side of things, it seems wrong. It really does seem wrong to me to tell Evie that Santa is coming tonight. And it seems like an outright lie, but at the same yeah. time, it is fun and I enjoyed it growing up. And so I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know yeah. what Brooke are going to decide on. And so I'm literally just right on the fence about it because I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I just don't know what's the best, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, because your kids are obviously sure. Fine, so they, they <laughs> sure. And, and you'll, 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 you'll forgive me if I speak in a little bit of coded language because there are young ears 
around right so now. So pray into it. I think yeah. you kind of know where the, the, the shrimp household is in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So, so use I, the so, use the code, Steve. So so I do have to I, I do have to be, yeah, sort of studious about that. So this is this is um yeah, right. So we've had this discussion. Um and we well the thing is we don't we haven't really settled on like a oh yeah, this is like the specific way in which we're handling it. Um, I actually wrote a post about this a few years ago. It was back in 2017 on my blog. Um, and I will share that link in the show notes if I remember. Uh, but it's just an article I wrote on how should Christian families handle Santa Claus. Right. And um, um, it's, it's I, I gave what I think are some pretty helpful guidelines and ways of looking at that. I did not, I did not settle on a, because it would have been disingenuous for me to have settled on a conclusion of, oh, this is how you should go about this. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to dictate that for people. Um, and so what I would really did was just try to lay out the issues and give people things to, to think about. And again, I know I'm speaking kind of cryptically. I want to try to be like as direct yes. as I can here, but, but there is a, a true, um, so it so the the story of let's see what am I you know what I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna say Scott Calvin because that's the from the thing <laughs> there you go yeah so, or or maybe SC I don't know so so the story of Calvin right yeah. um it is is in in the in the traditional sense of the word it's a it's a legend in the in the sense that it is there is a true historical basis <laughs> for what has become a legendary retelling mm-hmm. of, of a of a story now what, what's 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 really interesting is in the case of jesus some people have tried to claim this but we actually know we have historical data that tells us that there was not enough time for legend to have developed so automatically there's a difference between sc and jc right yes, these are, yes. di- right right these are these are two different kinds of stories that well, you like can, what like what I was kind of saying earlier too, no one disbelieves Santa. And then when their adult says, you know what Santa is. Exactly. It's, exactly. it's just totally, it's just two totally different things. Exactly. And the, and the thing about it is, is that as far as historical reality and scholarship, this is a huge point I feel like right now, as far as historical reality and scholarship are concerned, JC is not legendary. SC hmm. is legendary in the sense of they're both grounded in a historical reality, but only one of them is bathed and has been taken over by legend. There are still some people who would argue that certain elements of the Jesus story are legendary, uh, but most would not be in that camp at all. And especially not with like, even the ones who are in that camp wouldn't be able to say that about many of the details of his life. They're just too historically accurate. So automatically there is a, a difference you could go down there. Um, one of the one of the approaches there are some obvious approaches, right? And so, like, I I gave some practical suggestions at the end based on the thoughts that I had um, laid out. Which, yeah, go ahead. Can I give one suggestion? Because I only have one suggestion, and I'm I'm just hoping yeah. that maybe like a game. I'll guess uh, mine will be on your list. Okay, <laughs> if it's not, then I'll bring something new to the table. Yeah, go go so, for it. Okay. The one, the one thing that I heard that I actually think is a pretty good way to handle it 
is rather than really focusing on Santa during Christmas time, you know, oh, Santa's coming and it's Santa, Santa, Santa over and over, more or less is as Christmas time draws near, um, you'd be, whether it's Christmas night or probably Christmas night and your kids are excited for presents the next day, say, you know, um, St. Nick was this guy that did this, this, and legend says, legend has it that he still comes by and will drop a gift off for, for kids mm-hmm. each night. And have it yeah. just be a really simplistic thing. And the kid wakes up with a present from Santa and say, oh, look, he, he did come and give you something. And yeah. In a way that's still it, having fun with the imagination of your kids while also definitely not upplaying that Santa is a real person out there. Who You know, that that's kind of a pretty good middle ground that I personally heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, so I'm just going to just, uh, for the benefit of anyone who eventually watches, if we ever get this on YouTube and then also use, oh, we will, we so will see. see, um, let me show you this. Um, and, and I just want to pull this up. So we're both looking at the same thing, but this is the yep. article they wrote. Um, so definitely. So this is one of the, um, options that I, I put out there and it would be the teach JC teach, you know, Nick, right. And, and so it would be right. So teaching basically the real, only the real historical grounding of, of both, right. Would, would be kind of that way of, of approaching this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the, another option I gave was just to straight up teach, teach both, um, the, the traditional, you know, of both. And then one day you'll hopefully get to explain that this one's bathed in, in, you know, that one, you know, like I said, SC is bathed in legend and JC is not. Um, I do say, if you choose this way, you're going to want to be absolutely certain, right? That you provide your kids yeah. with a strong foundation of why you believe on Christ, who God is. You should be very intentional about that difference <clears throat> and really should not mix the two in any way. And so this is where what you said about, hey, like, oh, you know, he's watching, like he's checking to see if you've been, you know, if, you, if you've been good or whatever. Like that is unhelpful because it really mixes those roles absolutely. in a way that is it's not true. And so I I totally agree with you on that. Um this is an interesting suggestion that I, I I read, and this is the idea of you teach you you teach you know JC, but then you also teach about becoming SC, and so it's it's you know it's it's this idea where um, it lessens the blow a, a little bit, and and so as they sort of like as they get older, what you're doing is you're sort of letting them into the secret, and the secret is secret is that. Oh yeah, like it's almost like there's a a kitty version of the story, and then there's the real version of the story, which is kind of true. And 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 in this, you can you can sort of become like the real person, mm-hmm. and they real the and the child will kind of realize, oh, that's what yeah that we're saying. That's interesting. Yeah, and they and they and so what it is is they sort of right because one of the things that you can't do, and and I say I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing now, but but like so one of the one of the things that you can't do, and I say can't in the sense that I mean they're your kids, you can do whatever you want, but one of the things that would be really difficult to get away with, given you know your kids are going to be in Sunday school, they're going to be in middle school, like you're going to have a hard time in this in our culture raising your kids to believe that absolutely c is not a th- you know what i'm saying um that's just not a reality uh for m- for many and it would be very difficult because you're going to get all the parents coming to you like what the frick man like you know what i'm saying yeah what happened like and so this is sort of a way for like once they're once th- once they are mature enough to understand and have that conversation you actually like 
like it's it's cool because you can kind of like let them in like like now they're part of the, speak, yeah. of, the, of the secret too and they're helping to make it fun for others and it and it becomes fun for them in a different in a different way now to be completely fair we are we are not in our like we are not far enough even with our with ours to be able to have like made the jump that car, yeah. in, into that i think it's probably coming soon um but we're not honestly even there yet so at, at, at this point we're still kind of straight up in jc and sc mode and what we do is is we teach them very differently sc is only mentioned at a very specific time of year the <laughs> the the what he brings to the to the to the table uh each year is very minimal um it's 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 a very specific little like like set of things and then everything else is from who it normally would be um in your you know in in your family and such and so it's it's there are ways to handle it and i'm sorry i'm being you know cryptic but but there are ways to, to handle this and ways not to handle this and in our family we've chosen to handle it just in a very in a way that undoubtedly a lot of christians would disagree with um but, you know, I, I really think this is a personal matter that you have to deal with in your own family. And yeah. the bottom line is, I I do not personally know of any family. And that, and I know of one family who they very, they devastated <laughs> one of their children. Seriously. Really? Because yeah. they let it go on for way too long. Way too long. Really? But, I, you, but I don't. Were you able to give a, an age there? Uh, prob- probably. Probably. <sighs> My gosh, 11, 12, 13, oh, somewhere, yeah. somewhere yeah, in there. No, yeah, yeah. It was, it was right. And so I imagine that it would be very difficult mm-hmm. for somebody to separate reality from fiction way that long. And, um, so I, I, uh, I think, right. I think this is a, a very much a matter of personal preference. I, I think that it, it doesn't need to go on forever. It is something that you need to, to, decide about and sort of nip it in the bud we haven't decided for sure if we're going to take the the whole route that i just told yeah. you i think that it's i think that it's a good route but 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 we are right so we are we are doing the option where we we teach both in their traditional you know yeah. sense and we're just very very careful to to not make sc into some god figure like i think some have uh, and and I, I, when I, what I was saying to put a cap on it, what I was saying is, I am not aware personally of a, of a family who taught in the very traditional way, where there were huge issues with that person coming to leader, believe yeah. that you know God was real yeah. or anything based on that. So it could happen, but I'm not personally aware of it. it and I'm not either. And it, like I said, that and that's why, it, in a way, this conversation might be a little bit silly, but I do I do think it's important because it. It's one of those topics where it does kind of bridge fiction and knowing right off the bat mm-hmm. that something is not real versus, you know, really investing your kids in this. And if you're not a Christian, it's still a good question to ask. Um, mm-hmm. how, sure. long, how long do you let your kids, you know, really believe in Santa? To what extent do you take it? Um, so it's definitely yeah. applicable to that and anything else, you know. And, and then, of course, you got the, the two fairy, good old TF over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know some very, some very passionate atheists about, about this issue. And they're like, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we don't do it because we don't like to lie to our kids. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, OK, well, I, I that. you know, talk about the moral high ground. And, you know, honestly, you know, and, like, and you can definitely see that that's a 
I, I honestly, I feel like any of these conclusions are reasonable, and I and that's why I don't think that's right. Wrong. Yeah, I think I right, exactly right. I think there are multiple ways that this issue can be legitimately handled, and I'm gonna, you know, people are gonna disagree with me on that. Tough toodles. It's my, yeah, you know, it's, it's the way that I I land on it. Uh, fun story. I remember when I was a kid, had to have been five or six. I was at my grandmother's house, and I had lost a tooth, and I was sleeping, and I woke up. Because the house was 200 or 250 years old or something. It was an old house. So, I mean, it was rickety and, you know, you could, if a mouse walked across the floor, it sounded like the house was coming down. So I woke up because I heard walking up to the bed and I was under the sheets and I felt my pillow lift up and I just say pillow. Wow. I just, you did incorrectly. That's weird. I never seen it. My pillow lifted up and then it got set down and I, almost Pete and I probably would have seen either my mom or grandmother but I was too terrified to so then I still wow. wanted to marry another two three years or so <laughs> wow that's crazy. crazy um you know what I I think this has been a great discussion tonight I don't yeah, even know yeah. what conclusions we came to I just know that we tackled a lot of subjects and hopefully yeah. it was a fun discussion for everyone and something to just think about when you're playing with your kids telling your kids uh about Jesus, I know about fun, silly stories. Um, mm. just a lot. Kids are so moldable and yeah. just so impressionable. I just think it's something really important, and I'm glad that we were able to talk about it. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is a a, a great thing. I think this is true. I, I talk about this in relation to the Bible in other contexts, but it's true about reality in general. Yeah. Um, Tony Tony Robbins, one of the um you know, premier sort of motivational speakers. I, you know, do, do I agree with everything Tony Robbins says? No, I don't agree with everything I say half the time. So, um, Amen. you know what I'm saying? You're right. I mean, I, I certainly don't agree with what Alex has. To say. <laughs> um, but, but he does talk about these six, you know, essential human needs. And what's funny is that four of them are like polar opposites of each other. Um, in the sense that like there's uh, two groups of two that are polar opposites. So one crave is certainty. But then we also crave uncertainty. And um, and so if he's right about that, and I think I think that he is, it, it's really just an interesting thing that like we can have an episode of a podcast like this that that we're not giving answers, we're asking more questions. And so it's it's like we're we're almost tapping into that uncertainty that, that most humans are have to learn to be okay with. We we're we especially in the West, we crave certainty and sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we don't have the answers and that's okay. Let's explore together. That's why it's story world, right? We're exploring right. this world of story together. And um sometimes we're gonna land on some concrete things, sometimes not. But I think it'll make for a great discussion like this every once in a while where we don't really have the answers. We're just talking together and trying to figure out, you know, what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with that hundred percent. It's definitely been a fun journey so far. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to exploring the rest of it. Um, yeah. So story of the week. Do we yes. Story quick? of the week. Um, I'll go ahead first then. Um, so it kind of falls in line to a little bit of what we were talking before. Uh, I'm late to the table when it comes to this. I know that you probably know about this podcast. I'll be surprised if you don't. But it's the, uh, um, what's it called? The Reformed. Uh, no, Recovering Fundamentalist. Re- reco- recovering Fundamentalist mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, I, I, ne- I grew up in a fundamentalist church, but at different times, at different times, my house was, I never said was really strict, but they definitely, if we heard, if we heard something kind of weird at the church, uh, we'd come home and we just knew it was silly. Like we'd go to the movie theaters and we would, we, we, sure. we behaved a normal life. And even as a kid, when I heard 
odd stuff preached at church that just not make sense. It just clicked for me and I knew that it was odd. So I definitely did not have it as bad as what other people do. I just kind of felt like even though I was involved, I was seeing everything from the outside and I kind of knew how things were. But even even with me kind of looking on the outside of that, man, this uh, podcast and, and the guys' names I run are JC Groves, Nathan Kravitz, and Brian Edwards. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's anyone can listen to it, but especially Christians who either are still or have been, um, you know, attended the fundamental Baptist church and not saying that all of them are bad, but just the mindset of yeah. the rules and, and to be quite honest, very like Pharisee related um, practices mm-hmm. of wearing this, attending these services, um, saying this, um, doing it this way. Um, even though at the time I thought those are silly rules, that's just kind of how I looked at it. Now, really looking back at it, um, man, what a uh, prohibition on the grace gospel of Christians being able to live their life, you know, and, yeah. and glory for Jesus. And just all those, it wasn't just silly rules, really coming to realize just how much that just holds people back. Um, yeah. Just an, sure. ex, just an excellent podcast. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I, I listen. I'm just listening to it right from the beginning to end. I have about there you go. worth to catch up on. Yeah. It's just so phenomenal. So yeah, I yeah. highly recommend it. It's so good. So, so, so I want to say something actually meaningful about this. Um, but first let me blow your mind a little bit because I'm not sure if you know any of this. Um, all three of these guys are from, from pretty close to us, like where I grew up yeah. um, yep. in Mount Airy. Yep. Uh, they're from the Mount Airy, Yadkinville, Davie County, sort of the area. Um, so, Craig Edwards is Brian's dad, Brian Edwards, uh, his dad, Craig. He actually is just retiring from the pastor at his church in Mount Airy. We, when I played with the Easter Brothers, we played his church all the time. Both Craig and Brian recorded in our recording studio. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm on a, um, I am on a first name basis with, with Craig and with Brian. And, um, I, when this podcast came, podcast came out, I was like, I had mixed feelings to be honest. Um, yeah. it, 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 because, and, and they, they, especially in the early episodes they they took really great care to say this. I haven't listened to it for a while just because I have to be, uh, more selective now with what I yeah, get to listen absolutely. to. Um, um, given the time, cause I used to have a lot more time to listen to things than I have now. Um, um, there, my, so you and I attend the same church. We attend a independent Baptist church. Um, yes. And, and so we, it's interesting that theologically we, at, at least me, I, I can only speak for myself here. Theologically, I am very much in line with pretty much every major doctrine that I grew up learning. Like, like my beliefs have not changed um yeah i would say no don't get me wrong a little bit they have a little a, a little bit on some like super like tertiary things mm-hmm. but it's more about the difference between what is required of you as a christian and yes. what is what falls into your matter of christian liberty and so right so we both grew up in that background where there is a lot of rules and regulations that are sort of man-made and don't get me wrong like it's fine to have what one preacher calls institutional standards you know what? When, when you go to work every day, guess what? You have to abide by institutional standards. I get that. That's a thing. But you can't, you cannot place your institutional standards in, in such a way that like if Jesus walked into your congregation, he would be unwelcome. And that's what happens in, in so many of these cases. And so I, so my, the reason I have mixed feelings is because, and they did take care to say this in many of their episodes, and they might still be saying it today, 
um, and caveating with it is that I am so thankful for the upbringing that I had. Now, unfortunately, there are, there are churches like the one I grew up in, and I'm assuming like the one that maybe you grew up in, that are um, that have been uh, shrouded in actual abuse, not just mental abuse, but actual physical abuse, and that is shameful. It's not just our kind of church, though. It's uh, uh, that happens in a lot of churches, but but there's definitely lots of evidence of it happening within the same sort of movement of, of the church that that we are in, um, and that it's reprehensible. It's a shame. People should be rooted out um, and and thrown in the jail cell and locked up without a key or whatever you want to say uh, for that kind of thing happening. Um, but I will say that I love my uh, my pastor. It's so funny. My my my. The, the son of my pastor who pastored the church, um, he took it over, the church that I grew up in just until recently. He is like now attending the church of our pastor's best friend uh, in Charlotte. Like yeah. moved, they moved out. Anyway, so, so without getting all into that, point is like I, I could, could not be more thankful for the raising and upbringing that I had in the sense of I was taught to love the Bible. Mm. I, was, I was taught the difference between right or wrong. I was given opportunity after opportunity to do awesome things. I made awesome memories that I will never, ever forget. That said, yeah, I'm going to disagree with some things that I, that I grew up with because I think that they were placing unreasonable standards on, on the Christian in the way that they live. And so if you grew up in a context like that, it doesn't have to even necessarily be you know, the, the context of this podcast and these people is going to be that, what's called the IFB. Movement. Yeah. But it doesn't, you don't even have to have come from that background really to get something meaningful out of this podcast. I mean, these are guys who just love the Lord. I I have my disagreements, just to be honest, with, with yeah. every now and then with with something that they say or or an attitude that they have in particular, I have my disagreements with. Um, For the most part, though, I, yeah, I applaud what they're doing. I, I can't recommend it enough. I think it's helpful. I do want to say this too. Um because I don't want to make it seem so my uh, pastor that I had growing up, um, Pastor Garnett was a phenomenal guy and pastor. And he really fought a lot against some of the mindsets on women not being able to wear jeans and things like that. Um, yeah. I remember him getting up one time and he was sick of hearing people in the church talking about this person and that person and why they wore this and not them remember one day he just got up and he didn't preach on or anything he just said i have to say this i don't care what you wear in outside this building inside this building i just want you coming to church and, and I, that yeah. was that he said i don't want to hear any more about it and so it, it, i definitely did my church was not as bad as several others it was mostly some people in the church yeah and then sure. as well as external speakers and pastors coming in and preaching either during revivals or other times. I just, but I just wanted to say, cause I feel like, um, um, I feel like I don't want to give him a disrespect. I, my pastor was, was a really great yeah. man. Yeah. So anyway, I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> For sure. I, I feel right. that. Yeah. So, yeah. So my, mine really, really quickly. I mean, mine's a super quick one. It's just, I'm super excited because Star Trek Picard season two is coming out. I hear it is dropping on March 3rd. Now we're recording this on like the 24th. I'm oh, not sure so exactly when Before you keep going, out. I need to get my pillow out so I can take a nap while you... Uh, oh my gosh. Great. <laughs> oh my Lord. And we are not going to be able to get along and that's going to be it. Um, um, no, so, so I'm excited about uh, the new uh, Star Trek Picard season two coming on, I think March 3rd. It may already be out by the time you guys are hearing this. I don't know. 
but I'm pumped about it. Yeah, he's giving me the Vulcan sign over there. Yep, for sure. Um, man, live long and prosper. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I'm a cool. huge Star Trek fan. I might have to give I might have to give it a shot just so you and I can talk about it. Absolutely, you should. Absolutely, you should. It's better than Star Wars, at least in my opinion. Correct. You know so. what? Hmm, I have not watched enough Star Trek to give that to agree with you or disagree with you, but I. Hmm, I can maybe see that. <laughs> Interesting. We need so so. I now know we need a we need some marathons on Star Trek coming. Yeah, Star Trek and a bunch of other things. We got to get together for another movie. No, I know, I know. It's been way too long. Well, speaking of way too long, it's been a it's been a long podcast. A long podcast. So for for all the Christians who stuck with us to the nitty gritty, you just listen to a long podcast. And for all the uh, all the atheists out there who skip to the end. You had a normal length one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whether you come in or something or skip to the end. Thank you for listening. I think this was a good conversation to have. And uh, Steve and I got plenty of more topics come up. Some serious, been a lot of fun ones. So uh, we will sure. definitely see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks so much, guys.